And you know, I know some, um, sometimes people will ask, um, you know, why don't we take communion more often? And you know, maybe we should. But it's to really keep it as a memorial. You know, the Passover was done once a year. You know, some churches do communion once a year. And now it doesn't mean that's how communion has to be done. Um, but when it's done like every week, it could kind of lose its memorial nature of it being something to really remember. Um, the Lord's table is not a sacrament. It does not provide saving grace. It is a memorial. No priest has the power to turn the cup into the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, Hebrew says that Jesus was offered once, and once for all, that he's not going to be sacrificed on a weekly, on a regular basis, that he died once for our sins and rose again, and that the Lord's table is a memorial. It does not literally turn into the body and the blood of Jesus Christ, but it is a memorial, and we have Thanksgiving coming up, and I just thought it was opportune time to really take time of Thanksgiving in what Jesus has done for us. And so if anybody ever says, you know, we used to just do communion in the midweek service, but we don't really have as many people coming on the midweek. But um, if anyone asks, man, when we're having communion, if they ask next week, you could say, we just had it last week. They just should have been here. Amen. Um, go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew 26 in verse 26. And I'm looking forward to the men's retreat this week. We're um, getting ready to go out um, to men's retreat. If you haven't paid for that yet and you're going, if you could get that turned in today so we could get a check written out and um, ready for um, them for that. Um, it's $120, but I know it's one of the best $120 we spend um, to go to this men's retreat and just the impact um, that it makes on the men um, and the challenge and the revival and the fellowship and stuff. And um, while we're gone, Laura's going to be um, cleaning the, um, getting the restrooms clean, but she did mention she needs help um, with um, maybe vacuuming the church and so if anybody's able to help with that um, while we're gone at the ministry retreat, um, please let me know, and then I'll let Laura know. It looks like she had to slip out. And then also we need somebody, if they're able to, to help set up for a potluck, um, maybe get things set up either on Friday or Saturday. So we're ready to go on Sunday. We're, this Sunday we're having our Thanksgiving potluck. And so we're having um, some good food for that, Amen. All right, back in the message. I didn't mean you interrupted with the announcements, but um, Matthew 26. I was just giving you time to turn there. Matthew 26 in verse 26. It says, And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to his disciples. That take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine 
until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung in him, they went out into the Mount of Olives. Then say of Jesus unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. But after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we give thanksgiving, Lord, to you for you coming to be a sacrifice on our behalf. That no longer is the law hanging over us of trying to keep the law um, for any type of forgiveness of sin. As you've said that the blood of bulls and goats never wash away um, sins. But that there were sacrifices that were meant as a picture of the Lamb that would one day come, Jesus Christ, to be the Lamb that was slain for all who would believe on Him, that died for all. And that we believe on You, we may have eternal life. And I just pray, Lord, that You bless this time of communion as we give thanks. In Your name, Jesus, amen. One of the things to give thanks for um, as we begin to take communion today is to be thankful for Christ's body that hung on the cross for us. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 16 says, The bread which we break is it not the communion of the body of Christ. That is a memorial. That is a communion of the body of Christ. That he would die on our behalf. 1 Corinthians, same verse, says the cup of blessing which we bless. Is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? And while the fruit of the vine that we will be partaking in, it does not wash away our sins. Grape juice could never wash away sins. But it's a token, it's a memorial of the blood of Jesus Christ that he died for us and his blood which was shed for the sins of us all. Go ahead and turn to Revelation chapter 1. Revelation 1 verse 5. It says, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, that loved us, and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and have made us kings and priests unto God and his Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And so that phrase, and to him that loved us, you know, the Bible says we, lo we love Him because He first loved us. You know, it wasn't us that just woke up one day and said, hey, you know what, I'm going to love God today. You know, we love God is in return of realizing the love that He gave us and that He washed us from our sins in His own blood. And now the death of Christ was supernatural in the sense that he did not just die on his own behalf. It wasn't like he died and then, boom, okay, he's gone. No, he died 
is a propitiation for our sins. Does any children know what the word propitiation means? Anybody know what the word propitiation means? It's a pretty, it's a unique word. Not a word we use every day, is it? How about any adults? Any adults know what the word propitiation means? All right, everyone's just too shy to mention it, huh? They don't want me to see. But propitiation means that is one. We're going to get to it. It's in First John four ten. But that that the Son of God became our propitiation that He bore the wrath of God the Father for sin on our behalf. That Jesus did not deserve to die, so to speak. That He he never did any sin. There wasn't any guile found in His mouth. He, He never spoke anything that was foul, anything that was immoral. He never even disobeyed his parents. Can you imagine that, children? You know, if I would just say walk is Jesus' walk, right? Let's try that. Now, none of us are going to get that perfection where we never disobey our parents, where we never disobey God. But Jesus was perfect. But he became that perfect. He, he, bore, he was that substitute of what we deserve. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. And that's what he did. He gave his life for the sheep. 1 John 4.10 says, Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. And so we could have thanksgiving this morning for the body that was hung on the cross, for the blood that was shed, and that that shedding of blood became the propitiation for our sins. And then that we're to have thanksgiving, to have unity is one body. In 1 Corinthians ten seventeen, it says, For we be in many... Okay, we're many members. Okay, there's many parts to us. But we are one bread. We are in one body. For we are all partakers of that one bread. If we're saved, we're all saved through Jesus Christ. None of us are saved by our good deeds. None of us are saved by going to church every week. None of us are saved through Muhammad. None of us are saved through Buddha. We are all partakers of this one bread of Jesus Christ. The word communion also has in this meaning of fellowship. Me a group bound together in a communion or fellowship by what they have in common with each other. So when we do communion, we don't just do it on our own. We don't just do it by ourselves. We don't do any kind of last rites on someone's deathbed and give them communion. No, communion is something we do as a body. 
And no last rice is anybody's salvation. The only thing that will give salvation is the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ. But so communion is a fellowship, and it's something we have in common with one another, that the cup of blessing which we bless is it not the fellowship, the communion, which brought us about the blood of Christ. You know, all races, all ages, all wealth class, all anything, we have one in common with the blood of Jesus Christ. That we have a communion together. The bread which we break, is it not the communion or the fellowship which is brought about by the body of Christ? And that Paul writes elsewhere um, about or John um, writes about the, the, the fellowship that we have with the Father and with the Son because of the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from all sin. And so the Lord's table is a witness to the fact that Christians belong to the family of God, that we are brought together in communion, that we have a special family. In 1 John 1, 3, John writes, That which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And now the lack of unity at the church at Corinth is what Paul confronts, is what Paul rebukes, in 1 Corinthians 11, that here they were taking of what they were calling the Lord's table, but they did not have a unity. They were filled with carnality, filled with sin. They were filled with gossip, slander. They had divisions based on personality. That one person would be like, I follow a parents. Another's like, you know, Peter's the better teacher. I follow Peter. And others are like, no, I'm of Paul. And others are like, oh, I'm of Christ. They were divided up this way. You know, sometimes we think, oh, you know, that's so carnal, but yet you know what? You've seen it today with Bible colleges. You know what? Sometimes people have even been like, you know what? I went to this college. This is the right Bible college. And then that just ends up going into the church where sometimes people will only have missionaries if they're from the same Bible college that the pastor went to. Now, I understand that naturally. Okay, you know what? If some, a pastor went to that Bible college, he's going to know more people there, and he's going to be excited to support them um, is if, if they're able to come through and support them as missionaries. There are people they know. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. But I was once at a pastor's fellowship meeting where um, one pastor said, you know, it's like in the Bible, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one Bible college. You know, he was trying to be silly. But, you know, there was that carnality. That they felt that there was this superiority because of what college they went to. What teacher, what preacher they were following. And then Paul confronts the church and says, no, it's not about us. You know, we are, we are just laborers. 
But we can't make you born again. We can't save you. We can try to persuade you of the gospel. But it is Jesus that saves, not us. And Paul confronts the church there. As they were, had strife, they had division, they were even divided on doctrine. You know, in the world today, they want to keep on saying, you know what, doctrine doesn't matter. In the Christian world, you know, you even had the church that where it's a church without walls. You know, I saw that church. They have walls all around the building. It was part of the building. I wanted to see, well, where, where's the no walls at? Well, you know, they mean that there's no doctrinal barrier. You know, he once had someone come in and they wanted to get us a part of this ecumenical network in Lewis County. And they talked about how, you know, we're trying to tear down the walls of doctrine in the body of Christ. And I told him, I go, you know, I understand your heart may be sincere, but you know what? The Bible talks about staying steadfast on the doctrine of Christ. That the Bible talks about having a unity on the truth, not a unity at the expense of truth, but that we're to have unity in doctrine. And Paul deals with the church at Corinth and says there are heresies among you. That there's false teachings, there's false doctrines, that you're not one together in doctrine. Yes, there may be some minor things. There may be preferences um, where people may differ on. But on Bible doctrine, there ought to be a unity as we take communion. That we all believe that, you know, Jesus died for us. He was born of a virgin. Um, Jesus died for us. That Mary is not the Redeemer, but Jesus is the Redeemer. But man, what a blessing it was for um, Mary to be, which the Bible says would be called blessed among many women. What a blessing it was to be able to give birth, to be a chosen vessel of God, to give birth to the Messiah who forever was. But Mary herself did not die for our sins. Mary is not co-redeemer. She cannot bring salvation. She even said that I rejoice in the Lord God, my Savior. Mary needed a Savior just like every single one of us. Mary was born in sin like every one of us. But the reason Jesus was able to be born without the sinful nature is because the Bible talks about it's the fruit of seed of man, the sinful nature um, passes on. That in Adam we sin and that we die. And so it was supernatural and that God brought a supernatural birth through the overshadowing of the Holy Ghost to Mary that brought conception that Jesus was born without sin. The Corinthians' sin was that they did not have the body as one in unity. 1 Corinthians 11.29 says, For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. And you know, when we partake, 
you know what? There's not going to be sinless perfection in any of us. The only reason we're made perfect is through the blood of Christ and that we are positionally seen um, through Christ, through Christ's righteousness. But we don't want to drink unworthily. We don't want there to be division amongst us. How sorrowful it is that the Lord's table was done with much strife, division. That portrayed the opposite of what Christ did for us. Think about this cursed Corinth. As they have their squabbles, as they have their immorality, and they would not get it right, and the church at first was not willing to confront it to get it right. But they let sin go on. Open sin. Continue to go on. But God forbid we allow secret sin to go on as well. And so as we prepare to take the Lord's table, yes, let your sin be a reminder of what Christ did for you. But God forbid that you continue in sin. Yes, we're going to fall. Yes, we're going to slip up. But don't cleave. Don't let sin dominion over you. It's in Christ Jesus there is no condemnation. But as the church at Corinth remained divided, that they would even have different things that they would use as a substitute for the Lord's table, that some would be having a feast and others would be having very little forgetting the symbolism of the unleavened bread being a picture of the unleavened body of Christ and that Christ was without sin. But he had all this division when the Lord's table was to be a reminder of Christ reconciling us as one body, as one fold, not separated by class, not separated by wealth, by race, gender, but that we comprise of one body. And it's an ordinance to get us refocus on Christ's death. In 1 Corinthians 11, in verse 24, it says, And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup, when he had supped, saying, This cup is a, the New Testament. This do ye as often as he drink it in remembrance of me. That this is to be a memorial. And the biblical idea of remembering is more profound than our modern conception of it. It meant for the biblical writer more than simply having an idea of something that happened in the past. You know, for many, okay, when people remember the Holocaust or remember different things about World War II, it might be like, yeah, they remember it. Yeah, that happened some time ago. It happened this year. But you think about the veterans that were there, how when they remember it. How, how it's like they, they relive it, they reimagine it. They remember the sacrifices that were made. 
And that's where we would want to try to have, even if we weren't there, even if we weren't in war ourselves personally, to really reflect on it, to remember it. Remember the sacrifice people made. When the dying thief asked the Savior to remember him in his kingdom, he meant a lot more than just, Hey Lord, when you're in heaven, think about me sometime. Now what he meant was, you know what, Lord, have mercy upon me. Show grace to me when I don't deserve it. So remember him. There was then also the close relation between thought and act. You think about the Jew who celebrated the Passover once a year. He did more than just think about what happened to his forefathers. In this, he, in a sense, reenacts the event himself as if he participated in the Exodus, that he would be at one with his past. And when we partake in the Lord's Supper, let's not just have an idea in our mind about a past event. But in a sense, recall it is an event in a vivid way. That is, if we were standing beneath the cross that our Savior died on. To remember what He did for you and I. They, that sin was placed upon Him that He never committed. And His righteousness being imputed to us. And that by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we're able to have eternal life. And so as we take this Lord's table, let it be a remembering of what Jesus did for us. It's also a reminder in verse 26. It says, For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, Ye do show the Lord's death till he come. As often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Now this is something we're to do till Jesus comes back. I had someone that was telling me that they didn't believe baptism, and I believe he said that communion didn't belong for the church. He was a hyper-hyper-dispensationalist. Um, and even saying that salvation's different in different times where you know, the Bible talks about salvation's always been gri- by grace through faith. Always. No flesh will be able to glory and say, I made it to heaven by my own merit. But to say that this is something that has passed away that we're not to take of the Lord's table anymore. Jesus said, drink this cup ye do, show the Lord's death till he come." And so till Jesus returns again, we are to do this as a memorial. And so it's a reminder that Jesus is coming again. What a day that will be. A day to look forward to. That Jesus will meet us again in the air. And that we will be caught up with the Lord to be in His presence. The link between the cross and the crown of when Jesus will be ruling and reigning on the earth, is the table of the Lord.
You have the cross, and then we have the Lord's table as a memorial, and then Christ will be coming to rule and reign. And so as we sit at communion today, take the bread and of the cup, and as it points back to the accomplished work of Christ, and may I look forward to the completion of our salvation in which we shall see the Lord face to face. Now once we're saved, we're saved. Our soul is saved. We have eternal life if we believe on Christ. But the completion where even our flesh will receive a new body. At the completion of our redemption. And we'll see the Lord face to face. And so this morning, we're going to take some time to really reflect. Norma, if you have a song you could come play for invitation. Okay. Okay, it's this time of invitation. We're going to have this be a time of self-examination. You know, the Bible says in verse 27, For whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eat of and drink of unworthily, eat of and drink of damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. And so as the organ plays, let's take this time as examination. Before the Lord. We're just going to take a few minutes. It's the instrument place. To take time to reflect. On your walk with the Lord. Now primarily reflect on what Jesus did for you. And that has nothing to do with our walk with the Lord. But because of what Jesus has done for us. Doesn't that compel you? Make you want to live for Him? I don't try and do good works to get saved. I do good works because I'm saved. Jesus has done for me. And so let a man examine himself. You close your eyes in prayer. You could come forward if you like, or you could. But we're just going to take a few minutes to examine ourselves.